what is also like good to know is that there is that need for safety, but then there is that need for unsafety slash variability. And we have like both of those needs. So um, after some times, any kind of habits start to be like, first we start to be excited because we start to do something new. We start, we we are like um, rewarding ourselves. We feel excited. We have that compelling future, but then it starts to be more or less routine. I think you just described dating and marriage. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and and the same way as in marriage, you need some some spice, yeah. you need some variability. So if you don't have it, then it happens that you are fighting over nonsense. Hi, and welcome to Chasing Energy. I'm your host, Dana Lucas. I'm so grateful you're here for episode 31 with Michaela Chernova. She hails from the Czech Republic. I have put her, the first three links in the show notes are different ways to find her, different web pages, Instagram, etc. Her focus is, at least during this interview, is a lot around emotional eating and getting a, a sort of get wrapping your arms around how to control that. And we also talk about how stress keeps people from eating at certain times and the pattern either way by the way whether you're on a diet or stressed is that there's this sort of like withhold withhold binge withhold withhold binge and so what we try to do is learn how to attach grace to that and uh, give yourself uh, you know looking out for your tomorrow self if you will there are a lot of references here to you know planning ahead thinking about your future self. And then we get into the uh, her go-to supplements, which I'll give you a preview here, are probiotics, omega-3s, and the third one includes colostrum, but I did manage to find it on the web. It was the first I'd ever heard of it, uh, but I did put a link to that. Uh, Michaela got her PhD studying uh, a creature called tardigrade, and there's a really cute song uh, about it if you look up the tardigrade song. Uh, that I'd found it uh, actually prior to talking to her, I'd found it and shared it with my son. But they're very small, they look like pollen, very small, resilient creatures that live a very long time and survive very harsh conditions with very small amount of things. And you might think, well, how does that apply to chasing energy? Well, what she learned from studying those is actually going to eventually be applied to, in some facets to humans as far as resilience to cancer and things like that. But when I asked her, what is your biggest takeaway from studying that for years? I mean, you obviously wrote a lot of papers, did a lot of research on these creatures. And her takeaway was, and some of it was lost in the accent, but trust in life is what I got. And that means they come in here from zero. They go, tardigrades go from zero to hero. They come into the world with nothing, and yet they manage to survive a very long time. Very good takeaway. In fact, after I compiled these show notes for today's episode, I've decided to, I don't know, maybe I'll theme the episode around that. Lastly, I do hope you will subscribe and uh, leave a review. Reviews are fantastic. I read them all. Uh, the podcast is actually getting kind of popular. We had a lot of downloads the last few weeks, and uh, I'm going to be doing a few more episodes now where I sort of talk, narrate, which writing was my original 
probably strong suit, not necessarily interviewing. But I'm going to try to a hybrid approach where I interview and then reflect and write as well. To that end, to that end, we are launching a website with a newsletter. So if you're anything like me, I, I, of all the different formats, the one that I feel the most connected to is when someone sends me a newsletter with a link to a video or something like that, where I can say, I'm, I'm going to give you my, my brain here and read, you know, give you 30 seconds to, to impress me of what you want to share with me. Well, that's, that's the format I'm trying to sort of uh, approach as well. And I hope you'll join me on that journey. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Energy. I hope you get some uh, wonderful takeaways from Michaela, who, again, from the Czech Republic. I, when people can speak multiple languages, it continues to impress me. I learned some Italian over the summer. And by the time I went to Italy, I was going, I, I really need to push myself more on this dual language front. It's a great experience. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you soon. All right, Michaela Chernekova. Welcome to Chasing Energy. Thank you for being here today uh, from the Czech Republic, correct? Yes, hello, Danielle. Okay, all right. So we got a few things to cover today. Uh, you reached out to me um, because you felt like you covered some of the mindset and nutrition checkboxes that I like to do with guests. And you have a, a very unique background. I know you get this uh, feedback uh, because I've, I've heard some of the other people talk to you, but um, with in terms of your research in uh, your PhD in cell biology and how that we've talked about, you know, there's are there are a few tie-ins with what we want to do. Let's start with the topic that I think you coach the most on. You can correct me on that. It's emotional eating. Yeah. All right. Tell me a little bit about what emotional eating means. So I I work with women who struggle with emotional eating, and this for me means superficial symptoms, basically for all things that are happening around the emotions. So what basically happens is that when we struggle with some situation, uh, our life is not really how we want it to be. So then we might experience a little shakeup. Uh, it can be triggered from outward experiences or from inner mm -hmm. changes that are happening. And when there is more and more shakeups, then we start to feel bad because we start to feel we are not having our emotions under control. And when we don't feel to have control in our life, we start to uh, be in the loop of sadness or anger or frustration on various emotional range. Mm -hmm. And when this is much and, and uh, enough and we are like, feeling incapable to deal with such strong situations, we tend to escape because we are uh, naturally trying to avoid pain yeah. and find pleasure. Right. Yeah. Michaela, you talk about how shakeups and changes in someone's environment mm. can cause them to, uh, we'll say, abuse food as a therapy. And, uh, I've, you know, we talk about how food is to nourish the soul, right? And how that sort of response can be abused. Um, it's interesting to me that, that 
and maybe you don't have a lot of clients who come to you with this, but I know people who don't eat when they get stressed. So, you know, and they'll just, they, they have no appetite at all. And, and, and I don't know which one is more often. Do you have an idea of the breakdown of people who eat for stress versus avoid food? This is the thing that it depends what kind of emotions we experience. So I know like typically in students, when they are stressed, they don't eat. This is pattern that I noticed in like 90% of students. Mm -hmm. And also in, then they transfer it to job environment that they tend to skip the meals. And then when they skip the meals, then there is this huge craving and overeating in the night, which caused this huge glucose spikes. So that's one thing. And the second thing is that reward seeking behavior. As I mentioned, yeah. we try to escape the pain and find pleasure. So uh, as I understood this, it is uh, based on our like past experiences, maybe patterns from childhood, how we were treated at home. Like for instance, if you have achiever who was like treated with some cookie when mm-hmm. he got like good grades, you know? So then when there is some hardship and checkup, then this kind of person would grab that cookie to reward himself or herself when there is something, um, uh, some struggle, some problem-solving situation, for instance. Right, and and so that's a good example. We'll go with the child example there of how you would get um, feedback as a child that uh, you associate the sweets with a job well done, right, or indulging. It can be, yeah. It can be a sweet, it can be anything. Um, Yeah. I know that you have have talked about uh, feedback that we receive when we are young and how it forms our cognitive, you know, bias of what we perceive ourselves as and our own limiting behaviors. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. So um, I'm thinking how how much I want to open up about my experience, but for for myself, it was. Uh, for instance, that I was hearing the sentences that I will be fed because mm-hmm. we have it in yeah. our family, or uh, it was also uh, many things about what is healthy mm-hmm. and unhealthy. So when you grew up in such environment, you actually don't know that it can be something different, right? right? So you may grow up in family where you were eating for breakfast cereal and orange juice and you think it's healthy mm-hmm. and you don't think that there is nothing bad in it until you start researching more about how does this affect your body and that can be yeah. some healthier option. Yeah, and that, that's a great example of, you know, because going back to um, emotional eating, there is a part of us that almost always is nostalgic for the food that brought us comfort mm. when we were a child. And yeah. that food may or may yeah. not serve us. And in the case of whether or not it's a, it's a healthy food is something we have to educate ourselves on um, because there is a nurture versus nature type relationship there of where your genetics end and where the, where the, how the food impacts you. An example of that would be gluten intolerance. Where I've known people <laughs> who... Um, just loved having their bagel in the morning. And they suddenly, mm-hmm. at the age, in their mid-50s, 
they started feeling horrible. And it wasn't just for a week or a month. It w- it went on for a long, long time until they finally figured out that they had suddenly become gluten intolerant later in their life. But that's a the point there was that was part of his daily routine that was nostalgic for him. He had his bagel every mm. single morning. Yeah. And yeah. then he couldn't figure out why he felt terrible the rest of the day. Do you do yeah. you tell me how you try to um unwrap that with people as far as which foods are or are not serving them to to grow or thrive or have energy and things like that. Yeah, so as I mentioned, I focus on these emotions. So it, this example that you mentioned is so great because if you pray for this and you have connected this bagel with some mm-hmm. positive emotions and then you want to skip it for some savory breakfast, you will feel that resistance and you will not feel like you want to do it otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can stop you and what people do when they visit nutritionists, for instance, is that they have some first healthy symptoms. So that's the motivation or they have fame management, but it's both like negative motivation actually. So uh, that's why these people then struggle and the, the new habit that they try to incorporate is not sustainable. So what we try to focus with our clients on is to bring new emotions, positive emotions around different types of food that they actually enjoy in the daily life. Okay, so but how do so you if, how do you attach those positive emotions? I mean, I, I have my I try I, mm-hmm. I try to do this with my children, so I'm kind of curious what what do you do to, to say uh, associate positive emotions around an apple versus a cookie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, we change our emotions by the language that we use, we change our emotions mm-hmm. uh, by the focus that we yeah. put on our changing physiology of the yeah. body. Um, so uh, it's lot of trial and error, but for instance, if that person would connect like sweet, the sweetness of the bagel in the morning with some positive emotions, he still can experience that sweetness, but maybe with a healthier option. And that can be the first step that he can incorporate. So it doesn't have to be total change, but it can be more healthier version of similar mm-hmm. thing. So you can take pancakes and it can be actually much more healthier mm-hmm. than take smoothie that we think that it's a healthy thing, but it's actually causing this glucose roll mm-hmm. culture in our, in our body. So. So that's something that people think that, okay, now I have to eat healthy and it's not so good actually, but healthy can be good and you can take cakes and those, those cakes can be like these raw cakes, but they can be really nourishing for you. They can have really nourishment right. so you don't have these glucose spikes. So I would go like this step by step process a little bit okay. and it can start just a single thing as you know, what is the first thing that you do in the morning? Mm-hmm. Like for for many of my clients, the huge change was that just they start to drink water, yeah. clean, plain water, yeah. only this. So this is nothing that would change, like um, that they would feel that they made a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Baby steps. In, in their life. Baby steps. But it's, it's that baby step yeah. and like this is the first step mm-hmm. and... 
they actually, when they connect it with some positive emotions, for instance, like uh, I work with many women who struggle with uh, self-love and um, like self-compassion. So this actually can be that little step that they can connect with that self-love because then uh, what I love to do and I told also like my woman that you can imagine that that water, plain simple water is actually a cup of love and when you drink it and you have this bodily sensation and it is the first thing that you do in the morning. Okay, yeah. So it's I, that I visual. Can see, I can see kind of what you're going for there with, with the words and association because um, I I have used those type of uh, imagery and words on mm -hmm. myself and said, you know, um, I, when I'm doing planning a meal, I'll say, what would best serve me to have a great tomorrow? That's an example. Mm -hmm. So I'll say, it's not so much what is the sweetest or most savory thing I could have right tonight, but what's going to get me to where I feel great about myself tomorrow. Meaning, yeah. Um, yeah. I probably don't feel any guilt or shame over what I ate, but also that my energy is not, you know, there's no blood sugar spike in the middle of the night and, and all those type of things that come with poor choices. And I give it as a gift to the person that is me tomorrow. That's my gift to you. Uh, and also, I cleaned all the dishes for you. So when you come downstairs, the kitchen is clean and you ate a good meal. I, I And then when I experience that, I think, I appreciate that. That was that was a nice thing to do for myself. So I have a little gratitude circle within my own head, as mm -hmm. you can tell. Mm -hmm. um, That's beautiful. So you have this compelling future. So you know that in the future, you have yeah, this future yeah. vision. So with my kids, it's a lot harder. Everything's harder with my kids. But... Uh, what I do is when they're convinced they want uh, a donut and a juice, um, I generally tell them you can have one sweet at a party. So I'm not very popular with the other parents. Um, it's a sacrifice I've, I've been willing to make. But anyways, when they do eat sweets from time to time and I'm not going to monitor them, I'll tell them this. I'll say, I'm going to set my watch for 90 minutes and I'm going to ask you how you feel in 90 minutes. And of course they're like, oh, this is going to be great, you know. And in, to, to their defense, um, one of them has horrible sugar crashes. The other one I has will eat mm -hmm. the exact same thing and it doesn't seem to swing them as much. So I, my argument there is think about how you're going to feel in two hours because, you, you know, this, this is I'm going to quiz you and and. Now, they don't appreciate it at the time when I quiz them and say, how do you feel right now, right? Because they'll be like, oh, I'm tired, I'm hungry. But I can cite that the next time they look at a donut and go, you can eat the donut, but just be aware that this is the consequence that comes with it. When you're a kid, it's so hard to look out two hours about how you're going to yeah. feel. It's not only when you're a kid. Like <laughs> well, I think adults, adults not can look out two kids. hours. I think yeah. they have a harder yeah. time looking out two days or two months and things like that. The, the most cited study in self-development books is the marshmallow test, right? And the concept being, will you give up something now for a better tomorrow? That's the simple principle of the marshmallow test. And I think there's... I think it, it's been overplayed a little bit, but there's a lot of truth to that idea of what are you willing to do to give yourself a, a wonderful tomorrow? I have one more tip maybe able to try. Give it to me. <laughs> like start with something green and then use that sugar. 
that's done because yeah. then the glucose yeah. spike will not be so 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 Absolutely. huge. So so I would try to like do this as the little yeah. baby Plus step. Plus, you don't want as much if you've eaten something before. Uh -huh. So if I'm going exactly. to a, a fancy yeah. restaurant, I'll actually eat <laughs> some a salad or some soup before I go, so I'm not yeah. famished. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that's also what I suggest to my clients, like because many of them are people pleasers as yeah. well. So when they go I out don't want to tell with my their friends, no to her pie or cake. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so then before you go there, you actually can have like some green starter at home. Um, so then you avoid this glucose spike and. Okay. You you feel a little bit better. Correct me if I'm wrong here, because I, I I don't I'm not affiliated with any supplement. But uh, berberine isn't that supposed to? If you take some berberine as a supplement, it's supposed to keep your blood sugar from spiking. Uh, I'm not sure okay. now. I put so that, I put I'm, you on the spot, I'm not. But I think that's one of those like um, uh, melon extract, where it's from like the watermelon rind, and if you eat watermelon oh, okay. rind, it won't let your blood sugar spike up. So they mm. recommend uh, bitter melon. That's what it is. Bitter melon extract or berberine are two things you can take if you know you're going to go eat pizza or ice cream and it won't allow your blood okay. sugar to go by. It's not good if you're doing I athletic training because it doesn't let you absorb the sugars as fast. But um, mm. for, for indulging, those are two things. Um, I do ask. I haven't heard about this, oh. but uh, there are actually like many herbs that you can drink in the morning. For stabilizing glucose okay, so level in the blood, uh, there is this amalaki or uh, Rehmania glutinosa. Um, <laughs> I don't remember the English word, but in Latin it's uh, Rehmania glutinosa okay, so here's and amalaki. For, you and for the people that are listening, you email them to me, and I'll put them in the notes for the show. So yeah, who absolutely. Is interested can just hit the notes for the show, and and we'll have a link to those. Absolutely, but but this is good actually to start day with with these, like to have plain water, or if you want something warm, you have you can have like warm water, or you can have like this amalaki. It really like helped me a lot. My, me personally, like I really love it, and it is a very interesting taste. It's not sweet, it's not bitter. It has like taste of everything, mm -hmm. so it's actually really nice to start okay. your day with this. Um, my my go to. Drink in the mornings. I don't know if you'll agree with this or not. It's uh, I'm curious. Uh, cucumber infused water. Okay. Yeah. So I. That's nice. Uh, it has. It is a silly little thing that has. I've pretty much gotten away from my sparkling waters because I love cucumber water, and it's just a stupid infusion jar in my refrigerator that's built into mm -hmm. the refrigerator. But I find every morning now I crave that. Uh, it's either. Uh, lemon or cucumber in, in, and it's infused into the water overnight. But I find it so refreshing. I can't believe how refreshing mm. it is to just have that real mm. uh, taste in there. I, I'm, I'm sure it's, if, it, if there's any calories in it, it's negligible. Um, you will love then parsley lemonade. Have you tried I have it? Not. I do like parsley. I cannot <laughs> eat cilantro. I can eat parsley. I have that gene that makes cilantro taste like dish soap. Mm. So, so, so try parsley lemonade. You mix the parsley, just parsley, water, and lime. It's really parsley, wonderful. Okay, and down. Parsley, water, and lime. Okay. 
Now, yeah. how does the part? How if does you, the part does the parsley yeah. will will actually flavor the water? You don't have to muddle it or anything. I just uh, pour it through the sieve. So then I just mix parsley, water, and lime, and then just uh, pour it over the sieve. So the big chunks are away, okay. and I have yeah. just like that's not a problem. That mixture. I can do that. Yeah. I can put it in my. It's I can very put it in my infusion jar actually. Yeah, it's it's very refreshing and it's really cleansing the blood and it's. Uh, I read also some anti-cancer effect. Okay. Yeah, and um, so, parsley is actually, if I'm not mistaken, it's an herb that calms. Uh, very good at calming. I had I, I was eating it for a long time there. I've kind of gotten off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll add that into my routine. Thank you for that. The one one other thing I'll add, if you have not read uh, the book Atomic Habits by James Clear, um, he talks about two things that that kind of reminded me what you were, were mentioning there. One is that he is very much against having a reward that is uh, not aligned with the type of person you're trying to become. Mm. And his example is if you reward yourself with ice cream after you go running. Because essentially, if your goal is to become a healthy person, and by the way, I know a lot of runners. I was a runner. And pizza, ice cream, and beer were very commonly at the end of the run. And... uh the idea there being if you're wanting to be a healthier person, don't associate the reward for doing that task as something that doesn't serve you to become that person. The second thing is always put success in your way. So that means if you do have cakes or cookies or whatever, make it very inconvenient to get them. Here's an example. Buy the ingredients to make the cookies, but don't have pre-made cookies. So if you really want cookies... You're going to have to make and bake them, which is what I do. Um, I do it from time to time. Um, I I make a healthier cookie, but I have to make the cookie. I can't just go to the cabinet and grab one. So it's it's a methodical, thought-out process. And what usually happens, that's that's way too much work. I'll just have a bite of apple or something like that. Yeah, I totally agree that, like, if you want to change your habits, it must come from that vision of your higher self. Mm-hmm. So who you want to become, yeah. actually. And it must be, like my teacher is t- telling me that uh, the best teaching, the best learning is happening when we feel discomfort. Yes. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, but I want that reward. I'm like big reward seeker. So I cannot do it if it if I wouldn't feel nice. So uh, for for me, the journey is through creating that high version of myself in my head, because I feel nice when I'm taking the little steps and I'm like little by little, little becoming that person. Are you familiar with uh, Freud's analysis on? I think it was Freud, uh, the elephant and the rider. You mean? So tell me. Okay, uh, your higher level executive functions of your brain mm-hmm. is the rider that sits on top of the elephant. The elephant is more like your amygdala and things like that. that just mm-hmm. okay. see something, want something, and wants to get. The executive version is on top of the elephant and trying to put blinders on and steer that elephant. But at any moment, if you let the elephant do what it wants, it's it's going to drive. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think there's, for for me, there should be balance. Like, there should be, like, that push and pull. So you have a little bit pushing course, forward. Which is which and ties then, into what you were saying. People fast and yeah. then overeat, fast and then overeat. Yeah. 
The average diet, I looked this up the other day, lasts five weeks and two days. And then there's a huge shift. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I notice if I'm, if I'm di- uh, on a restrictive type thing or training really hard, I've got about four weeks. And then, I've, I, then my willpower starts to die out and I have to basically back off mm-hmm. a bit or have a recoup session there. So give me some advice for people who, uh, typically I'm, I'm going to guess people go to extreme. They're all in, yeah. uh, they want to be, uh, 10 pounds less in two weeks or whatever. Um, tell me how you steer people to sustainable changes versus quick results. Yeah, I I think you nailed it. Like we often have this all or nothing mentality, right? So we feel like we have to accomplish this, and we set like extreme goals. And if there is one slip away, uh, away, then we start to feel like that we failed and we mm-hmm. did terrible. And then we have this demotivation, and then it's so hard to start again because we fall into that loop. So. What really like is helping for what I notice is helping is the journaling. So if there is one slip away, you notice yeah. it, you you know that it's there and you know that the whole week or whole months before you keep everything and you do, you did perfectly. So that one slip away will not be that big issue. Right. And it's easier for you to hope again on, on this or you realize, mm. okay, I actually... Like I'm allowed to have a little break because I was working so hard and maybe my body now is telling me something and I need to calm down. So that would be one thing that I would say is really, really nice to have. And at the same time, if you follow some habits and then you have like that slip away, you notice your body will tell you immediately because you start to be more and more sensitive. And what is also like good to know is that there is that need for safety, but then there is that need for unsafety slash variability. And we have like both of those needs. Yeah. So um, after sometimes any kind of habits start to be like, first we start to be excited because we start to do something new. We start, we, we are like, um, rewarding ourselves. Mm-hmm. We feel excited. We have that compelling future, but then it starts to be more or less routine. I think you just dis- and, described dating and marriage. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and the same way as in marriage, you need some, some spice, right. you need some variability. So if you don't have it, then it uh, happens that you are fighting yeah. over nonsense, yeah. which is your, fight, right. uh, your spice. <laughs> so so uh, what is good is to think ahead and actually add a little variability into these habits. So try something more different. That's why I never stick with, well, I stick with my, uh, my sports routine. I stick with them, but I love the change. So I have one period when I'm only swimming and then I need to switch it uh, for something different. And then I gladly come back to swimming because I love it. This is me. Yeah. Season, uh, because it keeps me from getting burnt out. It also is, it's also, Mm -hmm. uh, I think the underestimated part, Michaela, of what you're discussing is, um, how refreshing it is when you take, when you step away from your, your favorite sport 
for a month or two out of the year, mm. or you um, maybe you're on a vegan or Mediterranean diet and you say, I'm going to change it up for a few months and whether it's more or less restrictive, whether you do a whole 30 approach or, or whatever, it seems like anytime you step away and come back, you almost have at least one insight as to what serves you or didn't serve you or what you will not do moving forward. So I, I'm a big fan of that, uh, stepping, stepping away, um, Talk to me a little bit about meal prep and how you coach people through that. So again, we start with um, what is normal state for that person and what is desired state. And then we just figure out what will work because for everyone it's different. For for me, I want to have like free morning mm-hmm. uh, for my yoga practice yeah. and for my dancing and then I don't want to take care of food. So for me, it is that I have to plan it and I have to prepare it day ahead. Uh, ideally, like with some fun thing around. So I either, you know, do it in a group or um, listen music. Um, and usually when I have this plan, uh, you can actually, uh, this is what, what I like is to have like little cards and the cards have like recipe on it. So then you just can pick anyone and it's like, uh, you wrote like uh, time, what is, how time uh, will it take to you to prepare it. So then you can like count on it and prepare it like better mm-hmm. ahead. And it's also... Uh, you can include this planning into shopping and then you will not do this intuitive, so to say, intuitive emotional yeah. shopping of food that you don't want to have around when you have these cravings maybe. So so this is important part to figure out how we can plan it. But for some people, it's the opposite way. They, they love to spend morning with their family and cook together and have that as part of their morning mm-hmm. routine. So... So, again, what I would suggest, what I think is the most effective is when you feel joy around it. So, then you will not be so resistant and feel like, okay, I have to do it because it's good for my health, but I actually don't like it and I hate it. You know, so so that's the approach that I would love people to to figure out what makes them happy because we all know what we don't want in our life and what we don't like. And then we struggle to figure out what we actually want in our life and what we do mm-hmm. like. So this is the approach that I would like suggest people to think what I do like, how it should look like and visualize it, visualize it. Because even this planning, when it's like, we know why we do it, we know that it's pleasurable, we start to release the dopamine. It's the same as with eating and it's the same as with talking with someone nice, uh, having like very interesting discussion. Um, so just that planning activates the brain center and it starts to release the dopamine and we start to feel that reward. So make it pleasurable, make it joyful. Um, All right. Yeah. It's, does it make sense it to It does make sense. It does make sense. It's kind of like with house cleaning. Uh, if you can have your favorite playlist or do it in a way that yeah. you're like, this isn't too much of a chore. Uh, time seems to fly by. It becomes a little bit more therapeutic. All right. So 
your hobbies, if I'm not mistaken, are yoga, swimming, walking, hiking, dancing, and lifting, correct? Yeah. Yeah. What, would, tell uh, me a little bit about how you break that up during the week in terms of maybe you strength train two or three days a week or you, you know, hike two or three days a week. Tell me a little bit at a high level, how do you structure that? So for me, it doesn't matter the time, how long time I do any kind of activity. For me, it's like um, to have breaks in uh, between the working activities. So I don't focus that I have to have yoga from five to six uh, or lifting from, uh, I don't know, from four to 5 p.m. But for me, it's important to have a little break. So when I'm at work, I have my earphones on and I do dancing, maybe five minutes break, you know, one, one song between meetings, one song before I take classes with students. So I come a little bit more refreshed in a happy mood. So they feel not annoyed when they see me. <laughs> so, so that's, that's the dancing thing. Um, when I'm able, I go out. Uh, it's important to me to be in nature. Uh, then I don't listen to music and I just need to walk. Um, but again, if I'm not able to go out, I actually can practice indoors because I can do uh, this walking meditation so I can focus only on walking uh, and deep breathing. And it's already practice. Um, and so... Okay, so, so, so I guess that is. There's not too much structure there. You're basically saying you do it to break up the day. For me, this is now what is working. I used to stick with one time. Mm -hmm. So I used to like have a very, very strict yeah. routine. Uh, and it was working, but for now, I am in cycle where I don't want to have this so strict because my body feels every day so different and I need to adjust to it, okay. to it. So, so that's my approach personally, but I had to time in my life where I really had to be strict about it to start the routine going on, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, and then when I start to be more listening to my body and start to be more sensitive about like little subtle things, I can actually break that habit because I feel that power and safety within myself, that it's not affecting anything. And I, it's for me, the most important thing is about the energy, whether I have the energy. So there's the thing like people... Like I noticed in yoga communities that you have to do Ashtanga and you have to do it like this, this time per day and you have to wake up at this time. And it's easy when you have, when you live in ashram where, where you have, uh, you the know, when you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have the community that supports you and everything is organized. So you don't have to take care of it. But when there is chaos around you, then it may be a little hard to follow it at that precise time mm -hmm. and follow the precise structure. And my question is that, is it helping you or is it limiting okay. you? Yeah, so with that, um, you know, I think so much of it, Michaela, depends on your personality, right? Because uh, you're a self-motivated person. 
you don't need somebody to tell you to do the exercise every day. Um, that's for me, but but for some other no, people, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Really very, uh, you know, an example. Yeah. The example I usually cite for that is how some people, um, if they don't have a gym membership and aren't doing group classes, mm. they will not. Uh, they will yeah. not do the exercise. Uh, I I don't have that. What I will say is, is that I, I do enjoy when I'm uh, running trails and stuff, I do enjoy a social social time uh, intermittently, meaning say every every other run in the woods would be great if I had someone to talk to for my community. Uh, and then there's just as often I need that time alone. So that, that was good. All right. So last thing I'll ask you about today, uh, actually, there's two things. Um, before I get to this last topic, because it's kind of open-ended, um, what are your top, in the last, I've, I've started asking guests this, in the last few months, what are your top three favorite or go-to supplements or food changes that, that you noticed improved your life? Mm, so definitely probiotics. Okay. Like this Is this by be... tablet or yogurt or what? For me, it's the tablets that I have from my nutritionist. Um, there is reason for it. I don't like kimchi and I don't like really kefir. Mm-hmm. Just not my taste. But I know that probiotics is so good for me. So I try these uh, supplements and I feel and it's like my personal feeling that I have it more under control. So I don't have, I, I have like um, at least some doses and amounts. So okay. I feel Do you want to give us like a little bit of information about the probiotic? Is it something people can buy or do you know anything about it? Uh, yeah, I'm, I can send you a link. It's uh, actually specific from that nutritionist. So there is different amount of uh, bacteria yeah. strains. Um, so, so that would be one. Then uh, omega freeze mm-hmm. because do you do a combination uh, this... of EPA DHA? Yeah, yeah. I take it. Do, uh, do you do you take the the omega threes be, because or in addition to the fact? That, do you like fish? That's what I was going to ask. I love fish. Okay. Uh, I I love seafood, uh, and that's the thing. I uh, if I wouldn't like check my blood, I would think that I'm fine with omega freeze. But then okay. uh, I realized that I actually don't know. So I checked my blood and I noticed that I'm in huge deficient of it. That's good to know. So did you do, do you have a specific test online you did for that blood? Uh, it is from one Irish company actually, because my country is not doing it. So I had to send yeah. it to, uh, to Irish company and, uh, that's the thing that I would suggest people because otherwise you go just to the uh, to the shop and buy it and you think that one bottle table is enough, but you don't know. That's actually. a good point. That's a good point. In fact, you're kind of convincing me. I've, I've thought about buying one of the blood tests. They're not. They're yeah. they're a little bit of an investment for sure. Um, but uh, but it's worth because otherwise you don't know. Yeah. And you might eat. I guess and- I. It yeah. has no effect. I kind effect, of assume you know? I get enough omega three, but you bring up a good point. I eat fish about every day. Uh, so, what's the third supplement? Yeah, and uh, I'm actually testing now uh, so-called transfer factors. 
and I'm educating myself about this. Uh, this is new for me, so I can say just that these transfer factors are like specific amino acids mm -hmm. that are like purified from colostrum and oh, yeah. uh, and this should boost our immune system. So it's uh, I I just saw yeah. research and how is it supposed helps. to be good for gut health too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I'm just testing this at this moment. Mm -hmm. um, so the first effect that I noticed is that I'm like hyped up with energy. Oh wow! So. But, so, but I don't want to say that this is what will happen everyone because uh, first I'm not sure whether this is just placebo, mm -hmm. you know. That's called that's called <laughs> so, uh, two things. It's called the N of one and anecdata, <laughs> meaning anecdotal data. Um, yeah. What is the what is the can you is there a brand to the to the colostrum? Or? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is for life, for life, for life okay. So you can check it. Um, so I'm testing this. They have like many different things and combination of these transfer factors of these purified amino acids with different things. Um, so I found this is pretty cool. I read some testimonials from people who had like cancer and so like many different conditions and it really improved their life. So I'm very curious about this. Uh, this is something that okay. I appreciate I you must, sharing. Must that. mention. So the review yeah. there is uh, a probiotic. Uh, check your blood, but omega threes is another one, and then uh, a yeah. colostrum uh, from Four Life. Yeah. All right. Yeah. This has been very helpful. I'm gonna. I'll. I'll. I'll end this by saying. Um, I know you did. I, I looked up some of your uh, research on tardigrades. Uh, Fascinating animals, and I know that you're. Can you can you share with the audience in a nutshell what a tardigrade is, and what is it that it makes them so unique to study? First of all, I would say that they are really starting from zero to hero. This is something mm -hmm. that I would like people to know because like everyone can start from zero to hero. Uh, and tardigrades are microscopic invertebrates. Very, very little, like 500 micrometers, usually, um, and they are—they uh, have had four pairs of legs, uh, looking like little tiny bears crawling around, mm -hmm. um, and they are special because they can survive uh, really uh, many fascinating conditions. They are. Uh, basically limnic animals, so they need water and be enclosed by at least thin water film to, uh, for their active life. But when there is not water, their uh, metabolism is ceased, so they are somewhere between life and death. They withdraw any kind of activity, they don't eat, they don't defecate, they don't uh, do nothing, looks like just pollen. And they can survive in this state for uh, as far as uh, 20 years or 30 years if they are frozen. And um, currently there is really interesting research about the uh, different molecules that are involved in, in this. Um, and why I said that they were from zero to hero, 
is because when I started to study them, I knew totally nothing yeah. about them. There was nothing in my like literature, in Czech literature about them. And uh, my teacher, when he introduced me to tardigrades, he just told me, this is tardigrade, this is how they look like, they are cute and they survive everything, and that's all that we know. So, and, and now, after so many years, the research is going like in amazing way, like with these molecules and, and so, so that's why I'm telling like now people are more aware of them. They are fascinating of them and their, the research community is growing. So every, anyone who would like to be in academic environment, like this is what you so should. Well, tell me uh, a trait or habit or ritual that you have studied or learned from the tardigrade that you have either implemented in your own life or try to tell people this, this could make you more resilient uh, in general. For me, it is trust the life. Trust the life. Because like with them, they are so vulnerable because they don't survive often my treatment in lab. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> they need very specific conditions to, to be cultured if you take them out of nature. Um, and uh, they, they are still so resilient. They have their own way how to survive many different conditions. Um, so for me, it's like that example that I always see them and I'm telling myself like, this is amazing and this is just life is it's amazing and you don't know how it happened you don't know what will happen and you just have to be curious about it because there always will be something fascinating and nothing new and just uh, something to be excited about all right so found basically a foundational faith in yourself that you're going to be all right yeah. all right yeah I love it. Well, Michaela, this has been a very enlightening and informing uh, time that, that you were shared with us. I appreciate you so much. Where can people look you up on uh, Instagram or I guess LinkedIn, whichever you prefer? I know you have a website uh, for coaching if you want to share that as well. Yeah, thank you, Danielle. Uh, so you can find me on my website, michaelachernikova.com. It's my name, surname.com. You can book a call there if you would like to, uh, you know, just to get in touch and uh, talk about anything. Uh, I'm on socials, so you can connect with me on uh, Instagram, on TikTok. Okay, but what's your uh, Instagram I'm, handle? Uh, Dr. Michaela Coach. Okay. Um, and I'm also on LinkedIn. And I'm on LinkedIn and uh, Facebook, so feel free to uh, reach out there as well. All right. Well, I appreciate it so much. I'll put the, if you'll send me the links, I'll put them in the show notes so people can contact you, Michaela. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Danielle. Yeah. It was a pleasure for me to talk with you.